0: Hello and welcome to Wrestling with Mark, a Lenten offering from St. James the Less Episcopal for Lent 2021.
1: Hope sort of comes into their lives and it's just that he's thronged. He, they can't keep themselves away. Um, just what a moment. Wouldn't you have loved to have been
0: there? Absolutely. Wow. Well, this is what I was hoping for. These are great conversations. I hate to be the um, person uh, pushing us, but uh, uh, let's jump into chapter two. All right. We've got to do a more formal break here. So uh, this concludes chapter one, um, and uh, we will come back uh, with chapter two now.
1: Uh, Mark chapter two. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum. And people heard that he was at home, so many gathered. So many gathered that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived. Four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd. So they tore apart the roof above where Jesus was. And when they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts were sitting there muttering among themselves, Why does this man speak this way? He's insulting God. Only one God can only one, God, can forgive sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing and he said to them, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier, to say to a paralyzed person, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your bed and walk? But so that you will know that the human one has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, get up, take your mat and go home. Jesus raised him up and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everyone. They were all amazed and praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. I got a little lost in that reading with the phrasing. I hope everybody understood.
0: Well, that's one reason why we're reading from a different translation, so we're all on fresh ground. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just a
1: trying to picture, Rock, if somebody tore a hole in the ceiling you they were doing a service, <laughs> what happened in church? Yeah. It <laughs> lowered somebody down. am not sure I was, would handle it as politely as he did. Um, I do
0: want to make one note before we jump in. Um, In this translation, they do use the term human one, which is normally translated as son of man. And the way to think about that more, um, like we would say, you know, he's a son of a gun or he's the spitting image of his dad or um, that Jesus is seen as the quintessential human, um, the epitome of what a human should be. And this translation tries to Draw our attention to that by saying the human one. So um, instead of that phrase, "Son of Man." Um, so just so uh, other folks know where we're coming from, now, this has always been a favorite story of mine because Jesus, you know, sets up the uh, religious leaders there. Which is bigger, <laughs> him walking or sins? So I'll do the easy one, so you guys know I can do the bigger one too. Go walk, um, and uh, yeah.
1: keep talking rock. That's I'll like that train of thought.
0: Yeah. You know, that's just like, uh, because they were questioning, you know, I could say, you know, I just made a cloud disappear. Poof. (laughs) And you would say, well, number one, why, you know, you're making that out of your head. You know, you don't, you have no authority to do that or you don't have the power to do that. And I said, well, okay, Uh, well, if you can't, don't believe I can make that cloud disappear here, I'll make a cloud appear behind me. And I, and if one does, you might believe more that I could say that what I said happened could actually happen. You know, and repeatedly we keep in Mark, even so far in in chapter one and here at the beginning of chapter two, this idea of Jesus is coming with a, an authority and a presence that is beyond comprehension. And they, this is where they first start to wrestle with that um, authority. That he's bringing, he can't be all that, and so he sets this up. He was brought to me for to walk again. What this boy really needs is to be forgiven. That's what's you know holding him back from being who he should be. It's not the physical that um, is our limitations, but the spiritual. Um, But so that you know, I have authority over all of this. Take up your mat and walk and, you know, be forgiven, too, <laughs> as you see your way out the door. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, you know, and especially there's a couple things that uh, as we read, Mark, you want to pay attention to. Um, uh, Mark is I always like to think of it as the comic book gospel because everything's action packed. Um, and immediately they did this and immediately they did that. Um, in Mark, everything happens immediately. Um, it's kind of like Edgar Allan Poe. Everything in Edgar Allan Poe is at midnight, <laughs> you know. And in Mark, everything happens immediately. Um, but then the, the other part that we've already bumped into is that Messianic secret. Jesus keeps telling people, "Don't let this out. You know don't don't put let the cat out of the bag too soon. You know, I, I'm not ready for this. Is you know." Um, but then the third part of this is this authority, this presence that he brings. Um, we're we're driven to ask the question, who is this? You know, who is this? And this is really going to come out even to the very end. Um, and I don't want to steal our thunder from our fifth uh, 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 time on this. But even to the very end of the, the original ending of Mark, the question that it demands of us is, who is this Jesus? And we keep having people come in and getting confronted with this idea. Um
1: was Jesus introducing a new thing when he said, um, "I have authority to forgive sins"? Because for the Jewish priests, Jesus was just this ordinary guy. He he had no priestly ministry. He wasn't ordained. He he was just this guy. Um, I can see how that would have been a tough one for them to accept, um, um, and, um, and sort of a pivot point between Old Testament thought and New Testament thought um, mm. could really be about forgiveness. Um, how, how do humans receive forgiveness from God? um and it brings to mind um when jesus gave to the the keys of the kingdom to peter and through peter i guess to the whole church um whoever sins you retain they are retained whoever sins you forgive they are forgiven it seems like that that authority he has passed on to the church mm-hmm
0: those are huge questions and you have to remember how atonement and that's the word we're talking about, um, was perceived before during this time. So in the temple on the day of atonement, once a year, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. So you had the temple and then, you know, you had the Holy place and inside that box was another box where it was the Holy of Holies, where they believed God sat on the ark, you know, when the ark was there, and um, the, the, the God's presence was in that place, and only one person, one day a year, could go into that holy place to ask for God's forgiveness of the people, um, and he would before he would go in, um, he would put his hands on the head of a goat, and they would send it off into the wilderness to drive the sins away from the people, and hence the term scapegoat. We still have these words. We forget the story that they're wrapped up in. And he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would pray for um, the people. And because he was in the presence of God Almighty, um, they would put bells on his robe so they could hear him jingling as he moved around in prayer, asking for God's forgiveness of the people. Um, and if, the, if they stopped hearing the jingling, he had died in the presence of God. And he had a rope tied around his ankle so they could drag him out. Because they weren't allowed to go in to the very presence of God, this is how important this idea was for the folks that you're talking about. I mean, it was huge um and for Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven, you know, not nonchalantly far from it, but um much less right and ritual than bells and goats and ropes <laughs> and and temples you know he he took he made a living room into the holy of holies um if you think of it that way a, a living room with a hole in the roof you know i think there's a reason why we talk about bread and wine as becoming sacramental you know it's the same idea the ordinary has become extraordinary mm-hmm. you know and sacred you know we're talking way too much over here
2: <laughs> oh, No, i'm this time i'm just listening. Um, this was a just a background thing. Um, I was I was wondering when you are talking about um, are talking about this and and Jesus's uh, power to forgive, and I was thinking, and I don't know a lot of Jewish history back, but I know that Jews had been for at least. Three or four hundred years been under the rule of the Persians, the Greeks, and then and and then the Romans. But that also, and I'm not real clear on what all happened. But during that time, there had been in those two or three hundred years great controversies uh, within the the priests. Uh, uh, a controversy of of scripture and and prophecies, and some people saying no, we were not going to have prophecies anymore, and some people saying yes, and so that there was a that's that's um, so that there was some uh, a real questioning and tumult around that, and so the question about did they have power to forgive? I'm wondering if all of that also fed into that. I think. Am I right that there was a lot of... of oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was not a, a quiet kind of thing that everybody, that the scripture and everything was was pretty set and nobody was questioning it. It was all over the place, it sounded like to me. Very
0: much so. Um, and we we slapped some names on some of these groups. So we have the Pharisees, who were a lot like Jesus, who believed in an afterlife, but also believed in very rigid, rigid legalism you know, and then you have the Sadducees that don't have an afterlife. You know, you might be remembered in the thoughts and, uh, of your children and the other generations that remember your name. You have the Essenes, who were you know this ascetic um, cult almost out in the desert, who were trying to be pure. You know, the, the Pharisees look like uh, Nancy Pantensy. Um You know, they aren't doing anywhere close to what they should do. You have this. You have this whole gamut. Um, Present during this time, um, the Essenes were the folks that did the, had the Dead Sea Scrolls that we found recently. You know, and the only reason we found them is because they hid them in caves way up on the top of mountains that nobody ever goes up over the Dead Sea because um, they were that type of isolated community. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 like you said, the whole gamut of how to interpret this. Some people, you know, were uh, culturally Jewish. But, you know, you know, we might call them secular these days because they had no they didn't even try to keep the laws.
1: Yeah.
0: And that, those are the people that resonated with Jesus' message most. And what got Jesus into a lot of trouble is that he welcomed in the the outcasts in the center
1: and broke bread with them. And Yeah. They might
0: have been some of Jesus' disciples. Yeah. About Matthew, the tax collector. And I don't want to steal our thunder because that's the next little section. Oh. So, but yeah, um, once again, we're having so much fun with these conversations. I'm I'm going to push us and then move to the next one. Uh, Our fifth reading is from uh, 2 verse 13. Jesus went outside beside the lake again, and the whole crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he continued along, he saw Levi, Alphaeus' son, Sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up and followed him. Jesus sat down to eat at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. Indeed, many of them had become his followers. So there you go, Harrison. And when some of the legal experts were among the Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, God forbid, They asked his disciples, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. When John's disciples and the Pharisees had a habit of fasting, some people asked Jesus, why don't John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but yours don't? And Jesus said, the wedding guests can't fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they can't fast. But the days will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of new, unshrunk cloth on old clothes. Otherwise, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old, and makes a worse tear. No one pours new wine into old leather wineskins. Otherwise, the wine would burst the skins and the wine would be lost and the wine skins destroyed but new wine is for new wine skins yeah. I love how the author positioned these stories next to each other you know first jesus gets in trouble for eating with people <laughs> and then he gets in trouble for not fasting <laughs> you know uh you can't you can't make anybody happy you know
1: yeah so what jumped out from that? For me, it was this last paragraph. You don't put new wine in the old wineskins. You don't put, sew a new piece of cloth on an old garment.
0: What's Jesus talking about there? <sighs> well, you know, I think uh, it goes back to um, what I called the mission statement early on, the Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, you know, change your ways, you you have permission. Um, and just, you know, the the idea behind it is um, if you put old wine into new wine or new wine into old wine skins, when you put the the grape juice with the yeast in it into the leather, the leather has to have some stretch to it because the gas is going to build up. And that's what ferments the wine. And if there's no stretch left, then nothing new can happen. It's going to burst the skins. And I think in the same way, if we come into our faith in God, telling God the way things are going to be, we don't have any stretch left. And I know a lot of people, you know, what's that old phrase? You know, you know, when uh, God hates the same people you do, um, that you're not worshiping God. You know, or it's the paraphrase of that. Um, but that um, so often we come to our faith thinking we know how it should be. Our outcome is already determined in our heads. Even in the, as we were preparing to have these conversations, one of the things we talked about is I have no outcome in this conversation other than I want to have a good conversation. <laughs> if I came in here and said, all right, Neil, here are the words that are going to come out of your mouth. And Harrison, here's the words coming out of your mouth. You know, there's no stretch left in the wineskin. Uh, the good conversation comes from uh, that unexpected, that newness, that freshness. Um, and, you know, that's that's the way I see it. it um, we, we need to come with that beginner's mind uh, and be open to wherever God would take us. Uh, that's that. Uh, and that's that uh, Holy Spirit that we're talking about, that being baptized in the Spirit. I um, mean, even when we see it in how Jesus, when Jesus was preaching in that room and they lowered the guy through the roof, I don't think he expected a guy to be lowered through the roof that day. But when it happened, he followed that prompting of the spirit. You know, and we were still talking about it 2,000 years later.
1: It seems to me Jesus is speaking about um, sort of the calcified nature of Jewish religious life at the time. It had become very strict and inflexible, um, um, rule-oriented. And I don't know, that's my reference. Um, But as we speak, I also think it's kind of a cautionary tale to us in the church business not to make the same mistake you know to be if, to be ready for whatever the equivalent of somebody being lowered down through the roof in the middle of one of our services is to be that's that's why I'm not a priest, Rock, and I'm glad that's going to be your call to make. <laughs> is this the spirit, or is this somebody that just needs to be thrown out and call the police? I don't know. You yeah, cool. would answer that, but um,
0: but that's not in the prayer book. What do we do? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's it's interesting because I I read that and 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 really sort of struggled with it a bit, and I'm I I really read it as. Um, that Jesus was say, basically preparing that he is bringing a new message and a new way of looking at things and that you, you simply, um, you need to expect this. This is, this is the way it's going to be going forward. Um, which is answers, I think, to what you are saying, um, Harrison, um, yeah. He, this was another way of preparing. Preparing the way. This is going forward. This is what this is going to be about. Uh, a different, a different way of being and a different way of looking.
1: Rock, we're going to need a lot more than an hour and a half for these discussions. I'm just letting you know.
0: <laughs> well, we're, we're 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 on track. We're we're doing great. We're right on track. <laughs> this is fun. It is fun, and you know, the other part is so refreshing. It's so often we take these stories out of context, reading the whole story. Um, you really do see how the, you know, the calling of the four, the going to Peter's house, you know, um, this this expansion of uh, of what's going on. Yeah. And the early problem, you know, he's he's butting heads with the religious authorities. But like you said, I've become calcified, um, you know.
1: Yeah, change change is coming, and nobody likes it. No, no. Um, Well, we talked about the, the the fasting. Anything about about eating with the sinners?
2: I the the only thing in there that well, that really struck me was that I think I've always I've always questioned. Did Jesus know some of these people before he started his ministry? I mean, this is a small area, so it's not like you might not have ever run into somebody before. Um, but in I again as I understand in Jewish tradition that when he um he told uh Levi Levi Matthew to come and follow him, but Levi invited him in and and his and and Jesus's followers in for a meal, and in Jewish tradition, that is a huge thing. Both for Levi to invite him in, and for Jesus to come. Obviously, it's a it's a, a sign of great uh, respect and, and intimacy to do that. Um, and um, and it reminds me, and I probably will step on somebody's toes of of, of uh, Southern manners of, well, we, and this is the Pharisees of, well, we, we just don't do it that way. So, uh, <laughs> um, so that was sort of my take on that, on that. Mm-hmm.
1: I eat with sinners all the time. So it really just sailed over my head. I didn't really pick up on any of that. Um,
0: and that, that understanding of hospitality, you know, even Southern hospitality doesn't do it justice. Um, I've worked with uh, some folks in a Palestinian refugee camp in Bethlehem. And um, it was in the middle of the Intifada, or actually just after the first Intifada. And um, after we had worked on this guy, the Israeli troops had shot up his leg with a machine gun so he could never walk properly again. And so he couldn't work. Um, and so um, his family had been living in the United Nations um, refugee camp for 50 years, so it's not a camp anymore. Everybody had built cinder block houses, and so they uh added a um basically a, uh, something a little two thirds the size of my office here, um, addition to their home built out of cinder blocks. They had a garage door that they could put a padlock on, and that was going to be his shop. And so we spent the week um uh uh doing the walls and painting and setting up shelves so that he could have his own shop and he could sit on the stool and you know have a livelihood and that night we uh were uh invited over to the grandfather's house for dinner and we were humbled and um you know they did their best that they could do and they had brought in a tray this big filled with rice and it was a mountain of rice and then cooked. Um, And then on the rice were chicken legs, you know, which was the best meat that they could get. And it was covered with chicken legs. And it was just, you know, and they were so poor and they had spent all their money preparing this feast. And then um, the grandfather, to show his appreciation, um, took a chicken leg and started with my professor that was with me. This was a, I would do this trip during seminary. And he held the chicken leg in his hand, and he would he was and with tears streaming down his face, he fed my professor and said, "From my hand, from my heart," and then turned the chicken leg until the professor ate the entire chicken leg, and then went around the room to each of us, sitting on their nice dining art excuse me, nice living room furniture, <laughs> and the grandfather who wept openly feeding us this chicken leg. Um, we don't understand hospitality. Um you know and needless to say we all left a sizable donation to help fund his shop, but it was just the most humbling thing I've ever seen. That's the type of gratitude Levi has here. You know, to be invited in um, and to be able to be allowed to invite them in was transformative yeah
1: rock i have known you for over 20 years and i have never heard that story you've got to stop keeping these things secret
0: and preach that story sometime uh it's hard for me to it was truly one of the most gut-wrenching i i i've never felt so unworthy in my life um I will, it will, to my dying day. Now, now, the other part of it was the American in me, the grandfather hadn't washed his hands all day. I'd been working next to him. <laughs> his hands were filthy. You know, I'm sitting here saying, I'm really getting grossed out. You know, that's the American little voice in my head. You know, it's like, this is really gross. But at the same time, there's no way in the world I could say no. Because he truly was giving his entire self as a gift to me in that
1: moment. Um, yeah. But uh no. well, that's a beautiful story. Sorry, I
0: didn't know we were going to get into that today, but yeah yeah let's uh, let's finish up chapter two and uh and uh, we're doing great.
2: Jesus went through the wheat fields on the Sabbath, as the disciples made their way. They were picking the heads of wheat. The Pharisees said to Jesus, "Look, why are they breaking the Sabbath law?" said to them, Haven't you ever heard haven't you ever read what David did when he was in need, when he and those with him were hungry? During the time when Abiathar, I don't know how to pronounce that, was high priest, David went into God's house and ate the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave bread to those who were with him. Then he said, The Sabbath was created for humans, Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. This is why the human one is Lord, even over
1: the Sabbath. Amen.
0: What jumps out at me there is, this is when Jesus claims that authority for himself. You know, before people were questioning his authority, and he's proved to them that he had it. But here he's equating himself, number one, with David. And number two, that the, um, the idea of being Lord of the Sabbath, um, uh, uh my grandmother would say he's getting pretty big for his britches, <laughs> you know, and, but, um, you know, it's, uh, like, uh, um, Carl Jung said, of uh, uh, God and, um, no, sorry, I'm, there's a Carl Jung quote and a CS Lewis quote. I'm thinking of the CS Lewis quote. Either was Jesus was um uh uh liar, lunatic or lord. That you know only Jesus could say what Jesus says about Jesus. And he was either a liar and knew he was a fraud or he was crazy and delusional or he actually was what he said he was, you know, and this is where uh his lordship comes out. You know,
1: i pick up on that how we as humans have a tendency to um make our ideas about god god mm-hmm. um our we we package god in certain beliefs yes. and make those sort of the final word but god transcends those ideas always. Um, They may be true ideas, but they're not God. So um, Jesus is sort of breaking apart that system. Um, It's kind of like um, the new wine is bursting the old wineskin. The Jewish faith as it was practice then could not contain the reality of God's presence. Um, 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 the Sabbath is a good and holy and right thing to do, but it is not God. Um mm-hmm. And just that simple phrase, um, the Sabbath was made for for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. Um.
0: One of my favorite authors has a book title called Adventures in Missing the Point. And I think that this is a, um, a good example of that is where, you know, we get so fixed on it on um, thou shalt not that we forget that without thou shalt. And, you know, we're supposed to give our, that day of rest and recuperation, um, which is one of the greatest acts of faith that has ever been given. You don't have to work seven days a week. I'll take care of you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and that's, um, even declaring a Sabbath and taking it is a statement of faith. Um, yeah. I'm pointing my finger at myself on that. My, my Sabbath day often gets absorbed <laughs> into uh, a lot of other things. I need to do that better. Neil, did you have anything on this last passage?
2: I think I'm okay.
0: Yeah. Thank you for joining with us. God's blessings. All materials copyright St. James the Less Episcopal Church 2021.